Welcome to the Mandalorian podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Outer Rim. My name is Matt, and joining me in the co-pilot seat is Pete. Hello, the Pete. What up, all my Mandos and Mandettes? We are inside the final couple of days, recording here on Monday, October 26th. And in four days, Matt, we will have already seen our baby boy and our titular The Mandalorian for season two. Indeed. And what's interesting doing this season two preview is there's really not a lot of footage out there. Um, So I guess good job in terms of them keeping a lid on things. I guess part of it is that weird combination of so much gets filmed in camera because they're doing the LED stage and all that's being figured out ahead of time. Uh, and then obviously there still is a ton of post-production, but then of all post-production seasons to, to have the Mandalorian uh, post-production effects, etc., being done from people's homes, like there's even less chance of mm-hmm. stuff leaking out there. There's, you know, certainly this season, there's no, you know, somebody stole stuff and sold it and tmz has the story or here's the cal- the helicopter shot of a bunch of stormtroopers standing in an open courtyard like there's none of that yeah uh other than the official looks that we've gotten you know we had one last monday during monday night football today was the first merchandising uh mando monday they're gonna do one each week the show is on uh i'm gonna need to take out a third and fourth mortgage uh to be able to afford all the loot uh but yeah it's um it's been remarkably locked down uh they're showing you what they want to show you at this point and uh the buzz of this show just carries it now pete listen you are a longtime, lifelong star wars fan hashtag wwgld what would george lucas do don't you find this crass commercialization and attempts to sell t-shirts lunch boxes <laughs> and action figures don't you just find it the farthest thing from what your star wars sage george would do uh matt has been to my home and seen my 499 dollar sale barge uh purchased through hasbro hasbro crowdfunded essentially a couple years ago uh a similar purchase is going to be put down on the uh the razor crest that they're offering that they showed with the finished paint job today for the first time and it looks like they they stole it right out of the uh practical effects department at ilm um Star Wars remains the same Star Wars it was in 1977. We're just upping the technology, the the merchandising, the uh, the stories, the gritty lived-in world, all those things. Despite the fact that some people will tell you that's no longer the case. Well, joking aside, I mean enthusiasm for the second season I think is through the roof, and it's funny. I think it was last weekend. Um, I got the the uh auto email from uh from disney plus saying essentially hey in a month's time you're gonna hit that recurring uh that recurring i think it's 79.99 for the for the year 
And, you know, if it's going to be on the credit card you have on file, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of said to my wife, like, uh, so are we good to go with this? And she was like, Disney Plus? Yeah. Like, that's all it took. That's all it took was that initial thing to be like, I'm getting value on this proposition year after year. And I'm saving me in the, the, the once a year thing. I know, Pete, you are uh, almost a third through the three year <laughs> upfront that you paid for that saves even more money. $5.14 a month, I believe it was. <laughs> Probably the easiest front-loaded purchase as far as uh, TV you might ever make. Um, I mean, it's it's funny, like, what I go and, and watch on Disney+, Plus. Um, you know, The Mandalorian, pretty much over and over again. And... I, Pete, I know we've talked about the LED video wall and ceiling um, thing. We talked about it, you know, much of it last season, and we've talked the about volume. it. The volume. Uh, Pete, in the last month, and I know we've talked about this on various other podcasts, but on the in the last month, other productions have expressed their interest in that, which in the behind-the-scenes stuff for season one, John Favreau is kind of very conciliatory, like, hey, we're using basically off-the-shelf uh, stuff here, uh, and this is something anybody can do, and hopefully you can help people. Um, Industrial Lights and Magic, I believe over the summer, uh, actually spun out a new division called Stagecraft, uh, which is, yes, you can buy this stuff uh, all off the shelf, or you can go to Stagecraft, which will build it for you, and give you a producer, and give you some video people to help you understand what to do and whatnot. Um What's next, Matt? Will they build a special effects company to do what they need them to do from the ground up? <laughs> or a, uh, uh, a, a digital uh, animation studio from the ground up? It is just astonishing. I mean, all of this was done. It was an out, All of this technology was essentially an outgrowth over, you know, Favreau trying to figure out the best way to make Jungle Book uh, the Jungle Book live action component, which was by and large the kid, uh, you know, to get good reflections and shadows and, and light on him uh, and then build it out further and then say, wait, maybe we can maybe we can make, um, you know, a two and a half hour Star Wars movie, but TV show kind of thing. So spend a little less, know that this needs to drive this whole streaming thing, so on and so forth. Um, so that was all built kind of for I think kind of cinematic uh, curiosity on Favreau's part and ILM's uh, dedication towards uh, investing in new technology and finding new directions and all of that. Here we are now, you know, in the midst of COVID, this a tool that probably reasonably for the next year, it is going to be infinitely easier. You know, Pete, let's, let, let's transfer from Star Wars to Star Trek for a second what two summers ago some of the actors were sent to iceland to film in iceland for real and to get some great shots there and for a show that we saw two weeks ago <laughs> for a show that we saw two weeks ago indeed um if you needed to shoot that now or if that's something you wanted to to film for your tv show or your movie in the next six months easy and probably you know calendar year if you just want to spend your millions and millions of dollars carefully uh go get some guys in Iceland to go film where you, you know, go film interesting location with, you know, the 3d all scan around cameras and build a digital, whatever, then stick your actors on a stagecraft led set, have them do their thing. Bing, bang, boom. You don't violate the, 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 the green zone, the green pod, etc. in terms of keeping the virus out. 
And uh, meanwhile, you know, your, your Icelanders shot the thing. They emailed it to you. You downloaded it. You fiddled with it. And, you know, here it is, the Mandalorian. It's, it's new tech. It was new technology for season one. It's concurrent technology for season two. And now everybody wants it. This, as Taika Waititi is uh, beginning to scout locations for his Star Wars movie, reportedly. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, again, the years have changed, but not a whole lot has with Star Wars. You know, the big lament, Matt, of the prequels, there's no practical effects. Hang on, says Ewan McGregor, as he walks down practically built ramp in front of in front of practically built partial sets with a green screen behind it i mean they're doing the same things you might argue they were a little too over reliant on the cgi and we still were in the process of you know crossing that uncanny divide which i think we're in the the, the final final stages of especially given some of the deep fakes that are out there. If they could ever sync up somebody's voice with, you know, the, the face and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, here we are. And you look at the footage that they've put out again, officially this most recent wasn't even a trailer special look. Okay. You know, the razor crest going down on an ice planet after in the previous trailer, we had seen it kind of floating along with the back, hatch wide open that shouldn't be that way and now maybe apparently busted for good on this planet uh i mean hasbro is gonna sell a lot of these things if they get to move to a new ship for season three right pete surely you're not suggesting that a star wars uh that a star wars story decision would be made in order to just sell toys hey look C-3PO has a red arm. I need to get that. So Stop. That it's, it's clear Someone that it needs is the... to be able to buy these toys, Matt. And it's me. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I, I mean, again, Pete, it's difficult to dig into much prognostication, I think. I mean, I hear what you're saying, that possibly the Razor Crest is down and out for the count. I think I would argue against that for story reasons, just in terms of it feels as lived in as the Millennium Falcon, uh, let's say, was after the first Star Wars movie, maybe after the first two. You know, maybe, At a certain point, it does become this mythic thing, and certainly, no sarcasm here, in, in the able hands of J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, in The Force Awakens, where it's just this nostalgia machine. But... For story reasons, I hope you aren't right. Uh, usually betting against Spoiler Pete is not a good move, um, but I guess time will tell. And then you look at the, the fleeting images we have outside of that, you know, Grief Karga with some new duds on, uh, that spiffy Imperial transport once, that began life, Matt, as, you know, that was marketing that was hey let's come up with a ship that didn't appear in the movies that you know we can say was just off frame a camera that uh favreau and filoni made canonical appearing i mean it had been in the cartoons it had been in uh, star wars rebels uh but they they got it in live action and now they seem to be uh riding that you know uh in a chase crushing biker scouts with it uh taking it off a cliff um 
and looks like our uh, buddy from the very first episode, the bounty that um, the Mandalorian hunted down, the Mithril, who went to go use the uh, the space toilet and got carbon frozen, looks like he might be uh, getting uncarbon frozen, given that there's a blue skinned dude between old Grief Karga and Cara Dune in that Imperial transport. Certainly, I think the amount of latitude that the show has to circle back, as you're suggesting, uh, to d- dip deeper into the mythology. You know, I know we get like some X-wing. So, how much of that is kind of a post? I mean, obviously, it's kind of post-Empire, but how much of that is a functional Republic versus they're still, you know, still in the early years post-rebellion? You know, we can dig in there, or maybe it's just a cool thing that they said we th- those are the shots we need to finish first because that's trailer material um and maybe it's just a fun kind of fan service moment but i think that there's that there's that latitude you know the first season it's so self-contained except for all this all the shadows all the things off of the stage that you don't know about uh like for example to never get the client's name to not get more than oh he's you know, he's got the Imperial uh, medal and, you know, by virtue of the actor, comes off vaguely as post-World War II, I escaped to Brazil, Nazi. Um, you know, add to that, we don't know lots and lots about Moff Gideon. We don't know this larger... Right now we don't. Right now we don't. Well, that's just it. And, and we don't know the larger plan... Uh, that uh, that the doctor was interested in investigating in terms of uh, you know the child and there's so much there that's kind of big question marks. Do they start to fill that in or do they say, nope? It's always you know, in in, in uh, the the man with no name movies, you know, he might intersect with the American Civil War, but it was just about getting that gold for him. There happened to be a whole civil war about slavery and freedom and all of this that was secondary to i want to get my gold and we're you know do they keep that in season two they might and you know the the other looks of some kind of uh, fighting arena with the uh the gamerian uh pig guards from java's palace albeit these a little slimmer um and the the cyclops dude given uh the Mandalorian a hard time and going back to the to the whistling birds gig you know I anticipate this doubling down in terms of the formula that they found in the first season I mean the the pilot is one thing and it establishes the tone and all right he he picks up a bounty he turns it in he takes this new one but the game changed the minute that the little hover pram bassinet opened and there was a child of Yoda's species in it. And the formula they found after that of keep the two of them together, have the Mandalorian do bounty hunter stuff, have the baby tag along. Okay. Play with your heartstrings. Is he, is he going to hand it over? Uh, now this buddy journey to find Jedi that could take this potentially off his hands, which you just know he's not going to give up. Um, I mean, if he does, I think a lot of people give up on this show. Uh, Super fan Mary Kirk, Matt, and Fantastic Geek fan numero uno does not call the show The Mandalorian. Her and her friends, who are rabid about it, somebody I had to talk into getting Disney Plus to watch the show, 
uh, which shocked me for a Marvel fan that Mary is. Her and her friends refer to it as BYC, as Baby Yoda Chronicles. And Pete, you look at The Mandalorian and and the child you know this show which in in a large sense is certainly supposed to be timeless you know pete can it get much more timely as mando figures out how to how to look out for this you know does this look like an appropriate father-son interaction to you uh i say yes yes it does Pete, though this is a show that is steeped in uh, its source material, you know, samurai movies, westerns, uh, sci-fi, you know, all those things, space opera and so forth, fantasy uh, and sci-fi meeting and all that. Uh, also, I dare say, uh, some modern lessons, not just about masculinity, but we have the, the equally powerful Cara Dune. We have uh, no concern for race nor age when it comes to Grief Karga and just a very... Uh, a very modern uh, alliance of folks working together to try and make a difference in uh, their corner of the galaxy. And Giancarlo Esposito in a larger role in the second season, apart from all the cameos we've heard so much about. Um, in fact, they had Pedro Pascal, they had Carl Weathers all on the Mando Monday uh show i guess today was put on by the star wars show people uh at at one o'clock um and glued to it in terms of you know are they are they giving us more glimpses um really cool to see uh giancarlo esposito talk about the dark saber and how to hold it and everything there and the lore that goes on and then Carl Weathers talking about his character and, and you know, opportunity for growth uh, with the arc that he's had. And, you know, obviously we're going to catch up with him. Cara Dune was with him when last we left off. And uh, Matt, I, I think I speak for everyone listening that we all need this show and the joy that it brought us <laughs> now more than ever. Well, I think that's just it, Pete, that Star Wars has always presented this very easy, um, you know, distinction between good and bad, um, perhaps less so with the uh, with the prequel trilogy, and that's actually not a slam. I mean, Pete, in the background of the prequel trilogy is how a couple of people can co-opt a republic and have mm-hmm. the one side, have the business side fight the the uh you know the, the liberal side or whatever it might be and have them just fight 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 to create a crisis so that very few people with the desire to just take over can advance themselves um, right and then in the sequel trilogy you have uh an old man staving off death uh you know manufacture this empire again you know from the the brink of almost defeat and everybody has to realize for the greater good that there's more of us than there is of him. Those parallels aside, to just know that, like, Mando shoots bad guys. He saves the kids. Uh, he, he's he's nice to ladies who can take care of themselves, like uh, Cara Dune. Or, you know what, he, he fairly pays, uh, you know, lady mechanics like the one that was ripped off from Alien uh in you know and so on and so forth like he's a good guy he almost always wears his mask 
That's true. He's very, very conscientious about wearing his mask. So, <laughs> aside from those things, good guys versus bad guys, it's all very, very clear. I even think, Pete, uh, the episode from last season that takes place on the prison ship, um, quickly, in the time of when it was on last fall into the winter, quickly that was the, the, the low point episode. It was the weird one. It was dark. Oh, I disagree. It it's, well, it's like the one I've gone back and watched the second most. And for me, and I think for a lot of people, that has become the case. Um, it, it was just weird at the time because after five episodes, we kind of sort of knew like, okay, self-contained, but then you know kind of what's going on here and and that was the that was the odd story out but it really showed you he can't roll with these baddies anymore um but again even in that you know if any of those characters uh that were on the prison ship if they if they ate it we would have been happy uh for them to die but what's the reveal at the end you know Sheon, mayfeld berg uh i must confess pete i don't remember the fate of uh of zero the uh the uh droid but certainly for our uh for our uh, flesh and blood characters there they are in the end they're okay uh in the in the prison cell um so actually i guess i guess zero got blowed up at the very end presumably quinn got blowed up at the very end uh as did uh as did ron played by mark boone jr but uh, justice uh, a fickle mistress at times yeah and uh i would expect at some point we've got to catch up with them as well but again you know the the tantalizing details of these uh characters we've seen in other uh star wars shows the animated shows migrating over to this live action tv show uh this as rumors continue to swirl that some of them might be spun off onto their own shows um, on, a, on a day in which rumors are flying fast and furious, Matt, that the Star Wars actor who did not say he did not want to go on to Disney Plus may have booked the job on a Marvel Disney Plus show, um, which, of course, we'll keep an eye on. Yes, I mean, much love to John Boyega, but I think he misread the TV landscape. I mean, look, I get it. John Boyega, you know, uh, was not a household name before being in Star Wars movies, then quickly propelled to that. And, and you know, nothing but respect for the fact that John Boyega has taken, uh, you know, racists, etc., to task on Twitter. And that's, that's rightly so. Rightly so, 100%. He also was the one that said, you know, yes, I'd love to do more with my character, but none of that Disney Plus. Pete, I even think he said that the S, is that correct? None of that Disney I Plus? I think he said, don't Disney Plus me. Don't Disney Plus. Uh, okay, we, there you go. We could, we could certainly go back and, and check. To me, like, and, and I get it, he feels that perhaps, and and only he and his representation know in terms of what he was pitched on, that there may have at one point been more for Finn. Um I mean, could any of us argue you wouldn't want to see more of a of a former stormtrooper who was just starting to, in some way, feel the force? I'm kind of hopeful we're still going to get more of that story. If not in film, then, you know, Disney Plus. I mean, Matt, eight episodes of The Mandalorian, you know, that's more than we got approximately 
uh, time-wise of this sequel trilogy, right? If It's got to be close. Um, um, yeah, I mean, if you figure for every other episode of The Mandalorian, each episode about a half hour, so for every other episode that's about an hour, that means four hours in season one and four hours in season two, eight hours total is... If not equal, if if not more than um, the prequel trilogy, then right in that neighborhood, um, yeah, probably because they're at you know they're at about two and a half, maybe a little bit less. I think yeah. the Last Jedi is a little bit more, but why uh, wouldn't you want to tell a story? I mean, that's why my druther is to write TV rather than film, tell those longer stories, bigger arcs, more opportunity, everything there. And, you know, hopefully Boyega, you know, remains bankable enough that, you know, he's, he's doing film and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I wouldn't swear off Disney Plus. I, I think we can all agree it's not just the present, it's the future, these streaming operations. Again, probably didn't see a pandemic coming in, in terms of, you know, uh, how that would impact the way that things are being released right now and fewer movies, that's for sure. Um, but hopeful he'll maybe reverse that stance. You never know. Um, I, I still think we'll catch up with that character down the line at some point in some incarnation, but yeah, I mean, Mandalorian is always going to have this really sacred place as the first one. And we're still waiting on the Cassie and Andor show. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, rumors about an Ahsoka show, perhaps given, uh, the appearance coming in season two, almost like some kind of backdoor pilot. So, uh, the future remains bright, Matt, for the galaxy a long time ago. It does. And Pete, this is normally the point when we look at some episode titles or direction or uh, writing credits chapters that begin <laughs> with chapter nine yes i mean i would expect i would expect a subtitle for each chapter each week just as we yeah. got in the first uh, the first season but right now the episode titles are chapter nine all the way through chapter 16 um only two of those episodes have directors matched up to them now of course we know there's going to be um, you know, we talked in past podcasts, uh, some of the returning folks, some of the new folks, but John Favreau directing, uh, the season two premiere, Dave Filoni directing, uh, episode 205. Um, and then most of the writing credits to John Favreau solely. There's one to Dave Filoni and one to Rick Famuyiwa. Um, other than that, there's not a whole lot that can be gleaned. I mean, you can't sit and go, Ooh, episode 14, you know, dad dies and you go oh, well, how can we figure that out? you know there, there, there's no there's no hints to be gleaned from a chapter and a number yeah um but again you look we we know that we're going to wind up on an ice planet but we were in an ice planet in, in season one at one point we know that we're gonna uh wind up on a sand planet how many sand planets are there in star wars uh there's an official still it seems to be taken uh, at first from a Disney plus in the far east of uh, Mando in a cantina that was not from season one. So, you know, what a surprise. I mean, it's it's the familiar, but at the same time, you remix it. And that's what 
season one did so well. Again, don't expect that formula to be altered too much. Uh, The big thing I think we're going to be talking about in the second season, obviously this search for the child's people, race, learning some details about it apart from, you know, the surprises that Star Wars can deal, can still sprinkle in there. I mean, whether it was the child, whether it was the Darksaber at the end of the first season, whether it was all the Easter eggs in between, um, you know, nobody is better at this. It'll be interesting, too, to watch these eight episodes. In a sense, we're getting one more week than we did last year uh, since they had released... Two episodes in the first week on launch day, Tuesday, November 12th, and then settling into the Friday slot on November 15th of last year. This year with just one a week, I mean, I'll take more versus less, but it it's a delicious, it's a delicious tease to know, you know, it is just going to be one a week, all eight weeks. And, you know, there's not going to be the monkeying around with the release dates because of, uh, you know, a Star Wars movie and whatnot. It's just boom, Friday, 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 all the way for eight weeks to take us all the way to December 18th. You know, it's as you said earlier, Pete. It's it's a nice it's a nice bright spot at the end of this very disappointing year. I know there were people who complained last year about run times, but you know, leave them wanting more. And to give you eight straight weeks of this, and uh, from what I understand, run times are right. You know, close to last season for the most part, but conscious of it. I know there's a 53 minute in there somewhere, um, you know, and they're not providing critics looks ahead of time. So, you know, what is out there that you're seeing is what's out there until Friday morning. But Matt, I will be watching this in the wee hours <laughs> early Friday. Um, and, uh, you know, that discovery the day before, I mean, these are great problems to have at this point in a pandemic with this really, really special TV that we podcast. It is. And speaking of the podcast, uh, we can guarantee that we will have episodes out every Mandalorian Monday. Uh, probably most of those will be out on the Sundays, but, uh, with podcasting Star Trek Discovery concurrent to this and just with the holiday season ahead of us, I think that it's better for us to err on the side of caution, mm-hmm. to watch out for it on the Monday. That way, if something does come up, we have that little bit of wiggle room. And if Pete, if we can hit every Star Wars Sunday with a Mandalorian podcast, then we will just count ourselves, uh, I don't know, the fastest podcasters in the galaxy. So there's been some uh, people reaching out uh, about giving uh, their comments about feedback. So you want to make sure you get it to us uh, by sometime midday Sunday. We'll we'll call the cutoff uh, Eastern time for us, Um, you know, and, and we'll look to record approximately around then. And, you know, you might get the feed updated Sunday night. If not, you will always have it for Mando Mondays. And of course, this whole this whole step into the galaxy far, far away is made possible by the people who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, keeping us listener-supported, keeping us going week after week, especially as uh, some of those end-of-year bills do start to show up. And the thing we really want you to consider is what is the price you put on your listening experience 
uh, for our podcast and get yourself to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Can't contribute just now. We certainly understand. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can do us a solid there. Give us a rating. Takes a second. Give us a review. Takes a little longer. All are appreciated. Is it the kind of coin one might flick? At the Mos Eisley Cantina, is it some sort of the rod currency given to Peli Mato uh, after she has repaired the Razor Crest? That is up for you to decide. Pete, all Beskar, co- baby. We're all <laughs> Beskar steel around here, man. Absolutely. Um, Pete, how can people be in touch with you to share their anticipation, nay, their reactions to the first episode of the second season of The Mandalorian? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,652 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, we will be back this Saturday for Star Trek Discovery and then back by Monday uh, for The Mandalorian. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Razor Crest, stand in.